Welcome to the Word is Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is 7-23-2023, and we're continuing our worship service with the thought of the week in prayer. Yeah, Bill, the Haddon family and the Presley family, as you know. that go on, but there is a 
Son, O Lord, that we may have life eternal. We thank you, O Father, for such a marvelous, such a great salvation, O Lord. At this time, O Lord, we want to pray for the Haddon family. We want to pray for the Presley family. Then, Lord, we pray for Sneed and his family, the Myers family, O Lord. We pray for all of those of where this truth church, O Lord, that we may stay bold, that we may stay strong. As we go through the perils of sickness and, and, and all the things that the world is throwing at us, O Lord, that we stay strong, O Father, that you give us the strength, the courage, to stay in your word, that we too will grow in the nurture of the Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we ask. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Bill, Dave, thank you both for I appreciate that. We couldn't have done it without you. So we're in um, Galatians. We, I know we covered verse 18, and we're going to look at verse 19 today. We're going to get right to it. We have um, some verses ahead of us. I'll read to where we left off uh, in Galatians 2.15 and following. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we, too, have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I, would, I really would be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We're definitely, uh, we heard it, we're going to talk about some important verses. I think where we left off was right around in verse uh, 19 where it says for through the law I died to the law so that I might live for God so we started with this thought of talking about the law many people are confused about the purpose of the law they would also be confused about the purpose of Israel so uh, it becomes important that we talk about the law in terms that people should understand, hopefully come to understand, so that there's no confusion about Israel, the law, what, what our responsibility, are we under the law or not under the law, or is the law something that can be used for justification, for salvation, for, is God look, looking after us to see if we are moral, in order for us to be saved. There's a lot of questions that come from the law and the way people have distorted the law. It had become generational for Israel, resisting 
the spirit with regard to their calling and salvation when it comes to both because they distorted the purpose of the law. We got to get into it a little bit more. So I got 10 points here. We covered two of them, but we're going to re recover <laughs> some of those, uh, the two reasons for the law. There are two main ways the law can be used. And I'm going to just define those two. We, called, we, we, did, we did call these out last week. We're going to still emphasize them and repeat again because they're important. We need to get a good understanding of this. So the first point, or, or point A, is let's talk about the law. There are two reasons we are not under the Mosaic Law. So when we say that we're not under it, I'm saying there are two reasons for it. So we got to talk about the law. Point one, the law used as a minister of death and condemnation. In this role, the law is used to magnify the bad news. It shows us that we need a savior. Everyone in Adam is under the law. So I gave a couple scriptures. There are more, by the way to use, but I gave a couple of these passages just to show why I would say this. So looking at those passages is 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 9, where it talks about the law. Let's get it. I'm going to read it again. We might have read it last week. 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 9. Let's look at it. It says, now... If the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, and and it did come with glory. We're talking about the Mosaic Law here. I just want to make sure everybody's aware that we're talking about the Mosaic Law. Paul re refers to this as the ministry that brought death. Okay. The ministry that brought death. So just let that sink in. If people are looking at the law as a means of life, then this is wrong thinking. It's right off the bat, it's wrong thinking to suppose that the law came so that we could adjust to the law and somehow be right with God. That would be to say that the law brought life. But here Paul is telling us clearly that it is called, this is the ministry that brought death. And which, are we, what are we talking about? The ceremonial law? Are we talking about some parts of the law? No, the Ten Commandments characterize the entire Mosaic law. And he's, we know this because he's saying that uh, so that the Israelites could not steadily uh, look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was. So, so the ministry that brought death was the Mosaic Law. And one of the things that's interesting to know is that the world, Israel was called to witness to the world. The one thing that the world needed to know, importantly, 
was that they needed a savior. That Jesus Christ is the savior. I've heard people talk about it now. I've heard people say things boldly like, we don't need Christ. What for? Why do we need Christ? You, this Christianity religion with the whole Savior, he comes and he saves us from our sins and all that. Why do we need that? That's what they say because they don't understand the bad news. The law is like a mirror. In this, the way it's used in number one here. It's like a mirror. It shows us who we are. Uh, and then I gave also uh, Romans 3.19. Right? Uh, well, we didn't finish reading it because let's read it. Let's finish 2 Corinthians 3. So it says, verse 8, Will not the ministry of the Spirit even be, more, be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious. So notice, it brought death. It brought condemnation. But really... Those things were really brought, if you know anything about uh, the bad news, when Adam sinned, that's how we became sinners. That's how we became condemned because, because of the one sin of Adam, God condemned the entire human race. If you know anything about the bad news, you know this. So Paul is saying that the law brought these things. Really, the law didn't bring these things. It brought the knowledge of these things to people. That's what it was supposed to bring. The knowledge of condemnation. The knowledge of death. Separation from God. It was, obviously, it's not. It brought death in the sense that we all die. That was happening before the law came. The law didn't necessarily bring that to people. It brought the knowledge that we are dead before God. Spiritually speaking, we're dead when we're born in Adam. So says Romans 5. So th these two things we have to understand. This is the first way we can understand the law. Remember, we're in point one, point one. But Romans 3.19, let's skip over there. We're going to review these scriptures. Romans 3.19 says... Now we know, now this is right after he talks about the sin nature and how there's none righteous, how Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin, Romans 3, 9. There's no advantage when you were dealing with number one. No advantage at all because all of us need the same thing. We need, look, if, if the ministry that brought death didn't bring it to the Jews first, didn't bring it to Israel first, then it wasn't, they weren't, adhering to what the very law was supposed to bring. If the ministry that brought condemnation didn't show them that they were condemned, then they automatically read this the wrong way. They didn't read it from the Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit, who was they were resisting, that's for sure. So just to know, before we get to Romans 3.19, we, we need to know the context is the sin nature, the bad news. There's none righteous, not even one. There's none who understands. No one seeks God. And when he says none, that means Jew or Gentile, as we saw in 9. All. Then he talks about their feet, their, uh, are swift to shed blood, ruin and misery mark their ways, the way of peace they do not know. There's no fear of God before their eyes. We're talking about man. 
in Adam. That's what God sees. He's using all of these, this colorful language, to tell us how he feels about us, how he thinks about us, what he sees of us. He gave us the law as a mirror to look back on ourselves so we could see what he sees. Verse 19, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. I don't think there's a better description of the law than can be given in these verses 9 through 19 of how the law shows us our need for a savior because it accentuates, because it magnifies the bad news. It shows us what we already know, that we're dead in, in our trespasses and sins, that all our righteousness is filthy rags in his sight. It shows us what God sees about the human race, not about some of us, about all of us. Some people will read these verses and say, wow, that's not me. My feet are not swift to shed blood. My feet, poison of, of vipers is not on my lips. And, and my mouth is not full of cursing and bitterness. I'm telling you what God sees about you. This is who you are. This is who we all are in Adam. So 19 is very clear. No... Whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law. So that, and who's under the law? Every mouth. The whole world is under the law from this perspective. Point number one, right? That's where we are in our notes. There's two ways, as I said, we can use the Mosaic law. Two ways. This is the first. We didn't get to the second yet. This is all review, right? We talked about this last week. So, so no one will be declared righteous. This is verse 20. By, in God's sight, by the works of the law. So even if we try to adjust to this, we say, okay, God, you told me I'm bad, I'm this, I'm that. I'm going to change. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to do what the law says. And then you'll like me, right? wrong. God is saying you can't fix it. If I already declared you were condemned and I already saw you, I already know what you're about and what your capabilities are, you can't be declared righteous by the works of the law. I notice it says righteous in God's sight. That's the way God sees it, in God's sight. Because guess what? People are out there thinking in their sight, that they are righteous by doing what the law says. They think they are righteous by being moral and a, because uh, society has some moral rules and standards or because some church has some... If you are in this church, let me, here's a list of things that you need to do. And if you check all these boxes, then you are all right with us and you are all right with God. That's wrong. Because in God's sight, you cannot be declared righteous by any works of the law. And this is just any law. You can't say, oh, that's the Mosaic law. Okay, that's the Mosaic law. Oh, but the law over here, you can be declared righteous? That's not logical thinking. <laughs> not at all. 
There's no law by which people who, where God has told us, there are none righteous, there's none who do good, they have all turned away, they have all together become worthless, there is none who do good, not even one. You can't be declared righteous by keeping the law. This is what we call hopelessly and helplessly lost. That's what we are in Adam. We need help. That's why point number one, the law is used as a minister of death and condemnation. In this role, the law was used to magnify the bad news. It shows us that we need a savior. Everyone in Adam is under the law. Everyone. And that is, there's no exceptions. The whole world will be held accountable to God. That's Romans 3.19. All of us are subject to this before God, in the sight of God. And then Romans 5.20, if we skip, there's a lot we could read about this, but we're only going to read a couple verses about the law here, just to make the point. Romans 5.20 says, the law was added, brought in, so that the trespass might increase. Now, you should know <clears throat> that this verse, verse 20, comes after 17, 18, and 19, which are foundational. 17, for if by the trespass of one man, death reigned. Remember, the law is a minister of death. Death reigned. How, how did it come? Through the law? No, it came through Adam. The trespass of the one man. 18, consequently, just as the trespass resulted in condemnation for all people. Right? How did that happen? Through the trespass. Just one trespass. That's Adam. Resulted in condemnation for all people. 19, for just... As through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners. That's the sin nature being passed down to all of us because of the disobedience or through the disobedience of the one man. That's Adam. So now verse 20 is the verse I brought. The law was brought in. Now when was the law brought in? Way after Adam. There was generations of people living on the earth. Remember, this is Adam was the first man and woman on the earth. And then from them, we got the flood. And then after the flood, and then we got Abraham. Eventually, we, we get to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Then Jacob's sons. And then Israel was in bondage. And then they were brought out after so many years. And, and on to Mount Sinai, where God delivered the law to Moses. And Paul calls it the law that brought death. Or the law that brought condemnation. So here in verse 20, the law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. It wasn't brought in in the beginning. We had the Holy Spirit telling people who they were, that they were not acceptable to God. People were being saved before the law came. So it had nothing, not, the law has nothing to do with salvation. It shows, uh, unless it shows us that we need it. That's what it's for, to show us that we need a savior. So it was brought in that the trespass 
might increase. What do you mean increase? means make it more manifest. So you could see the difference between a holy and righteous God and the sinners that were that we were described of because of Adam. It needs we need to know this is what he's saying. We need this information. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. What trespass? The one trespass that we just saw in 17, 18, and 19. So in 20, the, the law was brought in that the trespass might increase. Do we need that? That's exactly what we need. We need to let the world know that they need a Savior, that this is the condition that they were born in because of Adam. So that the trespass might be magnified. We need to magnify the bad news. How do we do that? The law. But where sin increased, in other words, because people got to see this, that, that they were sinful, that they were in a bad situation, that they, they were on a hopeless situation, what happens? Grace increased all the more. So, so now you get to see grace. Well, how do we get to see grace? Well, in the 17, it says the judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. I'm sorry, that was 16. 17, there's more to read here. So 17, God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reigned through the one man, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> or the second half of 18, which says... Uh, for all people, so also the righteous act, one righteous act, that's Christ's righteousness, resulted in justification and life for all people. 19, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. So 20 sums it up. The law was brought in so that the trespass, we could see that what we really are before God. But where sin increased, when we saw how hopeless the situation was, grace increased all the more. And we just saw three ways in which grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, it ruled over everybody in Adam who were separated from God, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So this is one. This is number one. Back to our notes. This is the first way the law is used. I hope everybody understands that the law cannot be used to justify ourselves. Like I said, by the works of the law, nobody. That's not a solution. It's not a way to fix the problem that we have because of Adam. God has a provision. That's how it, that's going to be fixed. That's the only way it can be fixed. So that's the first way of seeing the law is to show us who we are. And people think that because uh, they say, oh, well, we can, we can be justified if we just work hard enough, if we just do what the law says. We can be justified by the works of the law. We could be good enough for people 
to see that we are adhering to the standard of the law and then God will respect us. Well, we saw that that's not true. We saw that that's not possible. That's wishful thinking on our part, but it's not realistic from God's standpoint. Okay, so that's the first use of the law. It, it, not for salvation, but to show us that we need a Savior. But then we have Christ. We have the provisions of Christ. Point number two in our notes. And the second way the law can be used or is used. So I'm going to read it. The, the law, this is number two, the law as a way of life for Israel. This is only for the calling of Israel as a nation. It was never designed for the Gentile or for the Gentiles. Gentiles means ethnos or nations, the other nations that are out there. The law was never designed for Gentiles. It was only designed for Israel, for the nation Israel that God carved out, he pulled out of from Abraham, from the choices he made and, Abra and promises he made through Abraham, through Isaac, and through Jacob. And through Jacob, Israel, Jacob's name was changed to Israel, and his sons became the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel is made up of the tribes of Israel. So we should, these are things people, some people know, I hope, hope you know, that this is where it all came from. A nation. And every part of Israel's law was not just, wow, this is what rules for living for us. This is how God ruled in his unique nation, which was not given to the Gentiles. Let's read some scriptures on this to see where we're coming from. Uh, so this is point number two in our notes, Romans 2, 14 and 15. Let's look at that first, just to make the statement, right? 2, 14 and 15 says, Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law, there it is, Gentiles do not have the law. They never did. It was given to the nation Israel. The Gentiles got their own laws that they go by. They do by nature require things required by the law. They are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. So there's going to be some overlap. Some things in the Mosaic law are very natural and make sense. And so when, because God is running the nation Israel, some of the things people in other nations, even Gentiles, may do the same things that the law says they should do. And this is a matter of conduct. So don't be surprised if Gentile nations have rules about murder. This is just an example. Don't be surprised if that's the case. Gentiles have rules about murder in their laws. And then the Mosaic law also has rules about murder. And it's natural to them. That, and you say, well, they're not under Mosaic law. No, they don't have the Mosaic law. But they also adhere to certain rules and standards for conduct over the nation. So they, look, verse 15, they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts. Their consciences, conscience is also bearing witness in their thoughts, sometimes accusing them, and other times 
even defending them. So this is whole conversation is how the Jews saw the Gentiles, right? They saw them as they saw themselves as righteous and they saw the Gentiles as sinners. But that can't Paul is making the point that Gentiles that's not true. Right, because you're looking at them from this standpoint, and some of their laws might overlap, and some of our laws might overlap. So you can't make that comment. But here, the point that I'm making here is that Gentiles did not have the law. And then there's 6.15, 6.15, because now Paul is dealing with national Israel and how they thought about things. But then if we go to Romans 6, he's dealing with the church. This is what he says in 6.15. He says, What then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace by no means? So now <laughs> we're not under the law. Of course, we already said that everybody was under the law. But that is for salvation, right? The law was given to show us that we need salvation. Every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. But now we're talking about believers in the church age, in this new age. Are we under the Mosaic law? Absolutely not. And Paul just comes right out and says it. We're not under the law, but under grace. So the, the in 16, he's really the, the question is, is that... It's about our obedience. Do we sin because we're not under the Mosaic law? Should we sin against God because we're not under the Mosaic law? No. <laughs> that's not, that's not, the reason why people sin is because they have a nature, a sin nature. That's the reason why people sin. And with, with their free will and their sin nature, they produce personal sins. So it, it doesn't mean... It, look, people were sinning before the law came. So it's not about uh, the fact that we have the law or against the law, you know, or that sin defines is defined by the you know, breaking the law. God showed us the law to magnify sin, yes, but people were sinning before there was law. So we should don't associate sin with law but people are sinning whether they're under the law or not under the law people in the church age are sinning they do sin and they're not under the mosaic law that's clear so so it's not a matter of um you know but people who think that the law governs them and their spiritual life and is a matter of salvation they think that they're under the Mosaic Law. That's what people were trying to say. The Jews were trying to say, hey, we're still under the Mosaic Law. We reject the idea that we're not under the Mosaic Law and everything the Mosaic Law says. So they were trying to extend the law to every nation, to all over the world. They were trying to make the Mosaic Law uh, the authority to govern everybody. That's why they wanted the Galatians to be circumcised. It's like, if you're going to be part of our same body, then you need to be circumcised and you need to obey the Mosaic Law. They just came right out and said it. They didn't hide their agenda. They just said, look, you need to convert to Judaism if you're going to be part of 
our body. And they didn't recognize that we're under a new dispensation. Paul is saying, we're not under the law. We're under grace. And no, we shouldn't sin because we're not under the law, but under grace. We shouldn't just in, indulge in sin because we're... Mosaic law is not what keeps us from being sinful. That's not how it works. Never did. And it, it just magnifies the fact that we need a savior. And we are now seeing the second use of it is a way of life for Israel. So it didn't just define sin, but it defined how a nation was to function as far as God. So everything about a nation, the civil law, the social law, military, laws of quarantine, what would happen if this happened, you know, how would the structure of the nation be run? How should it be organized? The priests and all of the spiritual life is defined in the Mosaic Law. And they even had laws, if you break this law, then you could be executed. Uh, there would be rules for when people should have to have execution. All of that is defined under the Mosaic Law for the nation Israel. Now, if you go to some other nation, and you can't expect that the laws of Israel would apply. They don't apply. They have their own system of government and how they run their nation. You can't say, it's just like saying you're an American and the laws that govern us here in America should stand for if I go to another country. They don't stand. That country has their own laws. Israel had their own laws. And they, those laws were not to be propagated throughout the world. That was not how God designed it. We're not under the Mosaic Law because we're not Israel. This is to say, in the New Dispensation, God had a purpose. He established it. And this new purpose in Israel, we, we, we came through Romans 11, and we saw that on Wednesday. We saw Israel is now not a people of God. They will be later. God's not finished with Israel, but he's at this point in time, he's calling out many sons into glory. So the law as a way of life for Israel, this is only for the calling of Israel as a nation. It was designed, it was never designed for the Gentiles. That means the Gentile nation, never designed for them. And then Romans 7, 4 through 6 we need to spend enough time on this so that we don't have any misconceptions. Romans 7, 4 through 6. So, my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law. What do we mean died? He couldn't be talking to people who are dead, could he? No, could Let's put our logical hats on here. My brothers and sisters, you also died to the law. How did you do that? Through the body of Christ. He did that through what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is happening only in this age, in the church age. Christ promised it. It says, wait here until you receive what my Father promised. You're going to get it. In Acts, he told them, just hang on, just wait here. And the Holy Spirit came upon them when they were in the upper room, 120 of them and they came out with these new 
under the new dynamics, the new ministries of the Spirit. So, so my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law. Paul said he was dead to the law. This is our verse in Roman uh, Galatians 2.19. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. Paul, so what are we seeing in Romans 7.4? So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. This is now, right? For, we, for when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law, notice the sinful that we didn't see, they were already there, but they were aroused or magnified by the law, were at work in us so that we bore fruit to death. But now, dying to that which, to what once bound us, we have been released from the law, so that so that we serve. Notice in a new way of the spirit, and not in the old way of the written code. So there was service to the law in the old way of the written code. What's the written code? The Mosaic law. That's the old way that people served God, but they served God from the standpoint of their sin natures. Even though this, the law, uh, gov once they got saved because they saw their sinfulness and they were a part of Israel, they still had to keep the law, not as a means of salvation, but as a way of life. So two ways, two clear ways where people in the Old Testament served and people in the New Testament serve. We could say it that way, but it's really what makes the difference is this new dispensation, the baptism of the Spirit. The baptism of the Spirit doesn't make you Jewish, doesn't make you subject to the Mosaic Law, spiritual, Jew, or nothing. That's not what the baptism of the Spirit does. It shows, it brings a new purpose of God in view. So there's eight other points here that we could continue to use and talk about to, to help us understand this a little bit more in detail. Point number three, we'll get to these. In this new age, Israel is sleeping in discipline. We learned that from Romans 11. And God has instituted our new dispensation at Pentecost. So, so there we have it. And even though it was instituted at Pentecost, Paul was not even brought on the scene. He was still vying for the Mosaic Law. He was on the other side. He, he, he was rounding people up to, because they were disobedient to the Mosaic Law. He was talking to Jews primarily. He wasn't going to any Gentiles and telling them they had to keep the Mosaic Law. He was only referring to Jews who were being disobedient to the Mosaic law. So, Israel is sleeping. God instituted something new. That's what we ought to know, and it started at Pentecost. Point four, under this, the new dispensation, the Mosaic law has no jurisdiction over Jews or Gentiles. Now, this is important to note. Just as God had given us the law, 
well, he didn't give us the law, but he gave the law to Israel under Moses. And Israel was supposed to be a priest nation to go out to other nations and show them through all that they were, through their sanctuary services, through the way they conducted themselves, the understanding uh, that um, there was substitutionary sacrifice that is required, they had to kill an animal, take the blood, the life of that animal for the life of a person when they sinned. That whole thing was pictorial, played out so that other nations can see what God's will was for them. And Israel was supposed to back that up by going and telling them that God is not counting their sins against them magnifying the bad news, right? They were supposed to tell the other nations that they needed a savior too. And that that was important. That's Israel's role. Point. So now we're, when we're now, we're not, none of us are Israel. The Mosaic law has no jurisdiction over us at all. So once we're in the church, point five. In the Old Testament, the law never had jurisdiction over Gentiles. In the Old Testament, it never had jurisdiction over Gentiles unless they decided to convert to Judaism. And I have Romans 2, 14 and 15 there. What does it say? <clears throat> it says, uh, oh, what we already read, indeed, when the Gentiles who do not have the law do what required things they show the requirements of the law written in their hearts etc so it shows that well Jews did actually convert some Gentiles in and these Gentiles converted to Judaism that happened in the Old Testament and how did you do it you would have to um, because they didn't have the law, they had to not only be circumcised, but they would have to adhere to whatever the Mosaic law was. Just like what those uh, in Acts chapter 15, those Jews wanted. Acts chapter 15, 1 through 5. Point number six, Israel's purpose is not the same as the church's purpose. This is a big one, right? We, we could assume, oh, well, the church is just really Israel 2.0 or something, but it the church is not the same purpose of Israel at all. The church is not a nation under God. The church has people in every nation. And the church is not under the Mosaic law, where that's very clear from what we already read. Because we're not Israel. Seven, Israel is not a nation under God right now and will not be until the tribulation. And that's when you see Revelation chapter 7. I'm just going to read some of this. Revelation 7. When will Israel again be a nation? Here in the tribulation. Revelation 7 verses 3 through 8. <clears throat> he says, Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. Verse 4, then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. From the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. From the tribe of Reuben, 12,000. From the tribe of Gad, 12,000. From the tribe of Asher. And I could go on. 
to the 12 to 12 tribes that are named there and you will see of the 12 tribes 112,000 from each tribe which makes perfectly the nation represented of Israel in the tribulation resurrected you could say and and there it is that's the purpose God brought Israel back on the scene but that's after the church is gone so it's not the same purpose Israel is not a nation under God right now and they will not be so until the tribulation also you see that once Israel comes back as a nation they're under the law not the law from Mosaic law but the old covenant not the old covenant but under the new covenant to the Mosaic law <clears throat> excuse me that's Revelation 12 and 17 so uh, this is point number 8 in our notes I notice our time is running away from us again to build the church God utilized Jews and Gentiles Right? This is how he built a church. It is made up of Jews and Gentiles. Cultural Jews in the church lose that identity in Christ, Galatians 3.28. That's why in Christ there is neither Jew nor Gentile. It's that distinction. Oh, you were a Jew? Well, not anymore. Not in Christ. They are not under the law as a way of life. Now, of course... Cultural Jews may say, well, I want to be under the law. I was raised under the law. So that is my culture. But they are not to look at the law as spiritual worship to God, as was in the Old Testament. They are not under the law. They are under a new way of life. So they cannot allow their cultural predilections or their cultural preferences to get in the way of their serving God in this new and living way that we have in this new age. They cannot allow that to happen. So <clears throat> they lose their, and they are not under the Mosaic law as a way of life. That's important. Then there's number nine. In this age, the law is only relevant for revealing the bad news. So we obviously know that we're not a nation, so that's not going to, we're not Israel. So the law, Mosaic law doesn't apply to us as a way of life. God has a new way of life. But in 1 Timothy 1, 8 through 10, is the way that the law is continued to be used in this age. Just so you want to know. I guess here it is, if you'd like to read it through it for yourself. 1 Timothy 1. 8 through 10. I'll read it. We know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels and the ungodly, the sinful, the unholy, the irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for those in those practicing homosexuality for slave traders and liars and perjurers and for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God which he entrusted to me. So the law does have a use today but it is used for those to magnify 
just like we said before, people people are still being saved in this age. So yes, the law does have use, but that's number one purpose of the law, to magnify sin so that people can know they are lost. People can know that they need a savior. And once they save, they become righteous. Once you believe in Christ, you receive the righteousness of Christ. That's why it says, law is not made for those who are righteous. So, so it shows that we need a savior. It accentuates the bad news. So would you say that we're observing the law? No, Paul says you got to use the law properly. And I don't think people are doing it in this age properly. Ten. They should be, though. Ten. The law as a way of life is not relevant for anyone in this age. So number one is relevant still, yes, because people need to be saved. But number two, as a way of life, no, it's not relevant for anyone in this age. It will be relevant when the church is raptured and the nation of Israel is awakened under the new covenant. And we have uh, all the scriptures that we were referencing before, Revelation 7, 3 through 8, uh, 12, 17, where it says they... Uh, let's read Revelation 12, 17. We didn't read that. It says, Then the dragon was enraged at the woman. Now, if you wonder who the woman is, right? It, he's, the woman is Israel if you look at the context of Revelation 12. But the, the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to, to wage war against the rest of her offspring. So who's the remnant or the rest of her offspring? Those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. So here you have it. They're back under, uh, under the law, but the new covenant, under the new covenant, because they believe in Jesus, right? And that's what Romans 11 says. Here it is, Romans 11, 25 and 6. Let's see what it says. I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced hardening in part. And so Paul's a, he was Israel before, but he, he's now part of the church. He's... He was Israel, but now he's part of the church. They experienced hardening in part. Some Israel went to sleep until the full number of Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies. That's now for your sake, but as far as the election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarch. So God's going to bring Israel back. That's important to note. So we've just got a couple more points, but we don't have to do them all. Let's read a couple of them and then we'll close shortly. For through the law, maybe they'll just help us understand more. Point B, for through the law, meaning the law had its purpose on Paul. This is our scripture here in Galatians. He understood the bad news and believed in Christ. So Paul understood the purpose of the law. And his point was, 
that the law did its work. He got a chance to realize. I could have also used Romans seven here, where Paul says, uh, I, "I would not. I did not. I thought I was alive, but I didn't really see the application of the law." So Paul died to the law. That's the thought of it. Now I'm going to read the Galatians passage, 3, 24, and 25. Let's see what that says. Because the law did its work on Paul. It says, So the law was our guardian until Christ came, that we might be justified by faith. Right. So the law governed Paul when he was a child and all that, when he grew up in Israel. But... <clears throat> But then he understood the truth about the law and was justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ, you are all children of God through faith, for you were baptized into Christ, you have clothed yourself with Christ, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. Paul is talking about the fact that we are now in this new dispensation. So the law was like a schoolmaster, a guardian, to bring us to Christ. That was what it was. That, that's, we're having another storm here. Don't be alarmed like I am, or was. <laughs> so, I don't know if you heard that. It was pretty loud. But anyway, so the law brings us to Christ, shows us that we're under uh, now. We, we need a Savior and that we are now to be justified through the provisions that Christ has brought us. Point number C, I died to the law. When Paul says he died, there are two reasons that Paul is dead to the law. A couple reasons. Paul died to the law, this is one, because he understood the bad news. And I say finally because he was stubborn and believed in Christ. He is righteous because of Christ. And, and Philippians 3.9 is very clear about this. It says this, And be found in him, that's in Christ, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that, because he was deceived in thinking that he was righteous by obeying the law. In fact, he was a Pharisee. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from, from God on the basis of faith. So <clears throat> Paul understood that he is righteous now because of Christ. Point two, Paul is dead to the law because he realizes the Father's purpose for the church under the new dispensation before God. So <clears throat> we're going to end with this thought. We'll pick it up next week because it goes into scriptures that I want to really spend more time on. I don't want to rush through. So, and this is important and relates to the second purpose of the law, which is not a way of life. But we do have a new way of life in the church. People sort of overlook. We're going to spend a little more time thinking about this next week. Stay tuned. Let's bow our heads as we close. Thank you, Father, for this time we have. And we, we pray, Father, that these things will be not only clear to us, but that we will understand and be able to distinguish when the law is speaking of a source of 
accentuating the bad news or the way of life for Israel and the fact that we're not under the law. These things may seem to be difficult for, uh, and though there has been some distortion in this area, Father, we're praying for clarity. We're praying that you will use our voices to help others to know that they can, how the law is used in this age. We pray for those who, who are attending, the families of those, Father, who are represented as those in this church. We're praying for their well-being. We're praying for their healing. And Father, you know there are many challenges before us. So anytime those things come up in our hearts, Father, we pray and give them over to you so that we can continue our focus on your word and our calling in this age. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.